0: Hello and welcome to The Router, the official podcast of the UQ Computing Society, where we explore the human side of tech. I'm your host, Matt, and today we're chatting to Tony Luca, 2015 UQ graduate and current infrastructure engineer at Hudson River Trading in New York City. Join me as we explore both the world of automated trading and the world of the Big Apple. Hello and welcome to the router. How are you today? Uh, I'm pretty good, mate. How are you? I'm all right. Um, before we go any further, uh, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself. Uh, what do you study? Where do you work? What's your job title? All that stuff.
1: Yeah, So, uh, so my name's Tony Luca. Um, I'm at TL in uh, in in Slack. Um, I studied software engineering. Uh, I graduated with a bachelor and a master's in 2015. I actually think I was in the first cohort of the BEME combined program. Um, My job title at the moment is a bit unclear. Um, I work at a a company called Hudson River Trading, um, and we don't really update job titles over time. Uh, I was hired (laughs) four years ago as a DevOps engineer bracket networks, Um, but that's not really what I did then, and it's not at all what I do now. Um, I, I describe what I do as more uh, infrastructure engineering crossed with a bit of uh, SRE or site reliability engineering.
0: I see. So you mentioned Hudson River Trading. So Hudson River Trading, the Hudson River, if I know correctly, is in New York City. Um, you tell me a little bit about what, what the Hudson River Trading does and I guess more generally like about automated trading... Um, that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, sure. So uh, I I won't call it Hudson River Trading anymore because it's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. We uh, we call yeah. ourselves <laughs> We call ourselves HRT um, uh, for short, uh, and and HRT is one of the biggest automated trading firms in the world. Um, we we uh, represent over five percent of daily volume in U.S. equities, um, but we also trade a bunch of other stuff across uh, hundreds of markets around the world. Um, when I say automated trading, what I mean is uh, that computers do the buying and the selling of, of you know the things that we the things that we trade. So so shares, you know, crypto, all of that sort of stuff um, HRT was traditionally a high frequency shop, um, which, uh, people might be familiar with the acronym, you know, HFT or high frequency trading, um, Mm -hmm. uh, which basically means that, that our traditional strategies buy and sell, uh, buy and sell shares really quickly. Um, where for example, you know, holding a position for, for a few minutes would be considered a really, really long time.
0: Okay. I see. And so I guess, with computers and trading, there's there's the traders, I guess, you know, the people who have all the the, the financial and the mathematical knowledge and things like that. But you mentioned you, your job title or I guess job uh, more <laughs> generally is more like an infrastructure engineer right, 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 sorry. Yeah. yeah. So how does that kind of fit into the to the world of Automated trading.
1: So, so I, I guess the easiest way to, to describe it is to kind of describe where I fit in the company. Um, I guess so. There's there's like three main. Uh, orgs within the company one is the, the the algo we call it algo they're the they're the mm-hmm. quants I guess the rest of the industry calls them they're the ones like yeah. you say they come up with the trading strategies they do a lot of research on you know back-tested market data and all of this sort of stuff um, they they tend to have a, a very strong statistical background and a very very mm-hmm. very maths heavy sort of work um, and then there's the then there's the teams that are uh, physically responsible responsible for the actual trading um that happens during the day and they're called ops they're the ones who are like series seven certified and all of that sort of stuff so that when you know when the financial regulators come along they're the people who are legally responsible for the trading at the end of the day and then there's the systems team and the systems team is responsible for the actual physical infrastructure that everything runs on um, and so most of my work is within the systems um, department uh, and, and, and yeah so, so that's sort of where the infrastructure and SRE stuff comes in you know helping those teams with the, the, the tools and the software that they need to manage that physical infrastructure better I
0: guess um, yeah yeah Oh, interesting. And I guess now since there's like three different types of teams, um, I'm not sure if this falls under any sort of confidentiality or anything like that. We'll see. Um, But what sort of tech stacks do you normally encounter when you're like, I guess, in systems work, but also what sort of tech stacks do the algorithm developers and the, the ops people kind of... What, what what should they be familiar with?
1: So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, all of the all of the the actual trading code um, is in C There's a bunch of mm. um, There's a bunch of C that sort of supports that. Um, but we also uh, we also have a lot of Python. So most of the stuff that I write is Python. We have you know a bit of Go and a bit of other sort of stuff sprinkled around. But historically, most of the stuff that doesn't need to run very fast is written mm. in Python. Um, there is a bunch of Python in, in, in research, as you know, you know, things like there's a, you know, Python is the, the go-to language for, for statistical analysis historically, right, I think. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of stuff there as well um, on the algo side. But then when they actually have to turn that into, you know, trading algorithm code to actually run in production, they have to, they have to turn that into C++, um, basically. So it's kind
0: of like a Python to C workflow, and the C plus plus gets you those. Yeah, that's trades,
1: that's you know. my understanding on their sort of side. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm not I'm not really involved with that um too much. I just mm-hmm. have a bit of a, a bit of a high level of how that side of the organization
0: works. I guess. Okay. Um. So my next question is kind of a bit more, on a similar theme of things. What is what is an Average, I know it's really hard to define average day in the life um, for, for someone who's working in, in a field like that, um, but I guess what, what sort of things would you see on a day-to-day? Like, what, what would be your uh, usual, usual day's work?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I don't think there is an average day. Um, I think it really depends on what I'm working on. Um, You know, today, today I gave a big training session to a bunch of people because we had a big project launch and that was kind of interesting, but you know, yesterday I had to prepare the slides and a bunch of stuff for that. Right. And we were sort of ironing out some things, but you know, some days I might, I might not actually do much but mull over some you know some particular problem or you know how how something in the future might might sort of look. Uh, you know others I might actually be in the zone and you know implementing you know something right actually mm-hmm. actually writing code, bashing out some some programs. Uh, you know, other days I might I might be helping somebody on the team with uh with, with some of this stuff. Um I've been around for a little while. I was one of the earliest software developers that was hired into systems. Historically they were mm-hmm. kind of systems administrators, and so that's left me in a position where I'm kind of a subject matter expert for a bunch of different things. Um and so, you know, often I, I have to help someone else become a subject matter expert so that I don't have to, you know, be the, the single point of failure for these things moving forwards, which is kinda cool. Um, you know, I might be writing docs or drafting design proposals, or you know, training. A, there's a there's a wide wide range of responsibilities. I guess there isn't. Uh, it feels much more like a startup um, in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, with the kind of wear many hats rather than uh, rather than kind of fart out code from Jira tickets, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. Is, 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 is a, it
0: like a small small team? Like, uh, yeah, my team has
1: my team has eight people on it. Um, now mm-hmm. the company in total has. Uh, I want to say between four and five hundred, but I could be wrong. Um, we were two hundred and fifty or three hundred when I joined four years ago. So there's some
0: growth, but it's not uh, it's not huge. Yeah, it's not not under thousand. It's not like no. a, a big tech or anything. No, so wear many hats. I guess. Are yeah. there any kind of like interesting projects that you've come across recently that? think might be cool to talk about um i don't
1: know um so i i think i think one of the things that surprises people when i tell them about what i do is that um especially within systems we use a lot of open source stuff you know Mm. we we have we have somewhat unique needs but they're like the last 10% you know, of these, these tools. And so a lot of these things, uh, we have a bit of an aversion to hosting things on the cloud and we have a lot of a lot of hardware lying around, I guess. And so self-hosting, mm. self-hosting things from open source is very, very common. Um, and mm. so, you know, we'll find some tool that satisfies the majority of what we need and we'll often just kind of um, adapt or extend that and host it internally. And there's a bunch of greenfield sort of work around that. Um, one of the big projects we've been working on uh, uh, recently is um, uh, migrations from old internal, you know, inventory management and, and IP address management tooling internally to uh, uh, an open source tool called Netbox. Um, and there's been a lot, of, a lot of interesting stuff around that. You know, I, I, I wrote a, a Python client related to that. Um, uh, and uh, and and a CLI tool that we're working on open sourcing that we think is significantly better than anything you know currently available um, uh, yeah. outside in that um, uh, in that ecosystem, I guess, or that community, um, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, like we use Prometheus for metrics, we use Grafana for for our graphs. We have a large Elasticsearch cluster. We have a, a bunch of different stuff internally, and it's honestly pretty pretty vanilla as far as you know uh as far as like tech company infrastructure goes um there's -hmm. there's some interesting constraints that we have but we also have some interesting uh uh, some interesting flexibility uh with the you know the amount of hardware and resources that we kind of have available which is cool uh
0: i guess could you go a bit more into like what are the like unique challenges and like different problems that come up in in automated trading versus other sorts of companies that you might have worked at before like is there anything that stands out to you
1: uh yeah i i I actually one of the one of the first things i think you come across is um uh, especially coming from like an sre background is one of the things that you want to do is you want to improve you know monitoring and observability of things right Mm -hmm. um and so so the way to do that is to instrument things. And, you know, this might be running some running some process on a server that just exports metrics to Prometheus, right? So, um, uh, you know, Prometheus has a, a scraping model, and so you run a long-running process on a, on a server, and then the Prometheus server is configured to hit it with a HTTP request. It seems mm-hmm. fairly simple, you know, on the surface, but um, actually rolling that out to... Um, our trade machines in our trade colos. Um, it was a really interesting experience, um, and it was one of the first things I did when I joined. And so it was kind of an interesting way to get exposure to, to how the company approaches this and their sort of uh, their risk profile for running processes. So you know, like a a, a process in like a a cloud instance probably isn't really too much of a concern for the most part you know like this sidecar that just collects metrics but when mm-hmm. you consider our our servers in our our trade colos you know so we have um uh to to give people some context we have uh, i i believe it's more than a hundred um colos like physical colos around the world and and a colo in in i guess hrt parlance is a uh, a a a physical location normally very close to an exchange because uh, mm. because a proximity to the, to the exchange dictates latency and so we want to be physically close to exchanges where we execute trades and inside those inside those physical locations we get rack space we pay for rack space and we pay for we pay for ports on the exchanges um, and in that in, in that rack space we can only put a certain number of servers and for the most part. Um, the the constraint is, 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 is power, which is kind of interesting um, but, the the really interesting thing there is that we have a finite amount of compute that we can get into any one of these colos and all mm-hmm. all trading firms all automated trading firms have this same sort of constraint and so it's kind of this everybody wants to maximize the amount of the amount of stuff they can fit in that colo so they want to maximize the amount of processing they can do and so if you look at the metrics graphs for any machine in a trading colo what you'll see mm-hmm. is that as soon as the market opens they just fly straight up to you know, 90, 95% CPU utilization, and then they just sit completely flat for the entire trading day, don't move at all, and then drop down to very low utilization at the end of the day, which is really fascinating because you then, as an SRE, have to be cognizant of of, of you know the CPU impact of kind of everything that runs on these machines and there are ways in Linux to handle this you know you can use nice to sort of uh, you know pin things to CPUs and various things like that but coming from a cloud world it's not something I'd ever really considered and it was pretty it
0: was it was a pretty pretty interesting experience so there's not like this limitless kind of right uh, right right of computation that you'd normally assume like oh if you run out of compute you just buy more yeah just just
1: just spin up just auto scale some more right (laughs) like yeah Yeah. it's 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 not a thing in our research cluster it it kind of is to an extent um uh, but in trade it definitely isn't
0: yeah i never thought of those unique usage patterns i guess because like most at least from my experience from working at a decent sized tech company um, the usage patterns are often just all right. Well, slowly increases at like nine in the morning, and then right, like right, 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 and then right, There's different time zones. It kind of equals out, like, um, based on where everyone is, like the the US-based people, right, and the Europe-based people. So yeah, I, 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 definitely, constant. I definitely saw those yeah. waves at
1: Atlassian, and you know, people yeah. people coming in at nine a.m. and checking their Jira tickets, and you know that sort of yeah. stuff.
0: It was pretty interesting. Mm. But this is this is more like. <laughs> Hardcore, like straight into right, it. Right right right, 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 right. Is there um, just another side? I guess is there much uh, impact when you have different? Because um, uh, it's not just New York City, is it? Right, there's this exchanges and there's this right. colos, is it? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, everywhere around the world. Um, do, do the other kind of does that impact like the other colos? I guess impact the way that you set up your your trades or is it all just like you focus on your one the one exchange that's near you do you just focus on that one
1: uh i'm not sure i'm not really involved in in uh, you know the actual trading side um as long as they make enough money to pay my you know salary i'm not (laughs) i'm not too concerned and i think that a lot of a lot of people uh are separated from from trading are kind of, you know, the same. Like we when we hire in systems, we don't require people to, to know anything about finance. You often just mm. kind of learn by osmosis a little bit, you know, by just being yeah. around it um, to mm. an extent. But at the same time, you, you, you don't have to... You can learn it if you want and the, there are opportunities available, but you don't have to have a deep understanding of how all of this stuff fits together. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that's good with, with, you know, 500 people in the company, there's other people who can sort of work that out so that I can focus on, you know, infrastructure, which is, which is what I'm, I'm good at and what I enjoy doing. So
0: it sounds good. And I've loved hearing about this kind of, um, tech trading world, but I, I guess I kind of wanted to change topic a little bit as well. Um, because one of the unique things about, I guess your work compared to a lot of other people that I've. Uh, talk to you on the podcast and things like that is that you work in new york city (laughs) Um, so i guess yeah i wanted to ask firstly when you were at university was any did you have any kind of like thoughts of like i'm gonna move um move to america like when did you decide first that you wanted to do it did was there any sort of like opportunity that came up what what was the circumstance that led you there
1: uh it's a good question i think um I think everybody working tech in Australia kind of uh, understands implicitly that if you want to make more money, you kind of have to move to America. Um, mm. uh, you know, I think it's this unspoken thing, and you know, spoken sometimes. And so, I kind of always knew that I probably would. Um, and I kind of, I kind of look forward to it a little bit when I was at university. I thought it'd be an interesting adventure, um, and it, mm. I mean, it definitely has. Um, but there wasn't really, there wasn't really. Uh, I guess a day where I was like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking for things you know in America now it was more <laughs> when I when I when I started job searching um, while I was at Atlassian and I decided that I uh, that I wanted to leave I I um, uh, I, I I looked around in in Australia and there just wasn't that much there, and so I started looking in the US, and there was significantly more opportunities, and so I I I, I focused on there, and and you know I told my wife, yeah, we'll probably go, we'll probably move to America, um, mm-hmm. and then it, it sort of just worked out that way. So
0: yeah, and what's the kind of process, I guess, like for someone who wants to wants to do that? Because you're already working in Australia for a bit, I guess, so you kind yeah. of. I guess Um, it was there some sort of period where you were looking for that and trying to figure out how that was going.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, Mm. honestly, interviewing, uh, interviewing for American companies while you work for, for an Australian company in an Australian time zone is honestly (laughs) pretty miserable. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I did it for, I think I spent about six months total interviewing, um, though there were, you know, there were busier times in there than others, Um, but I was in, I was in Sydney and it was okay until the time zone, uh, the, the, the daylight savings time um, went because there's, oh. a, there's actually a two-hour swing from Sydney to New York when time zone switches because New York goes one mm. way and Sydney goes the other, um, which uh-huh. I learned the hard way and that was kind of, uh, that was kind of unpleasant. But um, for the most part, you just got to get used to uh, doing... I think I did all of my phone screens um, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 8 a.m., um, most of them were after 10 PM, but I did do some earlier morning ones. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, recruiters are pretty, pretty accommodating. Um, it took a lot of, uh, a lot of effort in, you know, time management and planning. Um, I don't think I've ever been as organized in my life as I was when I was coordinating all of that sort of stuff and figuring out my schedule, um, mm-hmm. because it was just kind of essential. Right. Um, but in the end, I, I mean, I think it was worth it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely be prepared to, to, to put in the legwork cause it's not, uh, it's not trivial to do.
0: Yeah. Some, some level of sacrifice of, uh, sleep, I guess, <laughs> to try to make, make those interviews work. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, would you say your there's Cause how, how long have you been in the U S? Uh, I moved over in, uh,
1: October 20, I want to say 17, yeah, that sounds okay. right. So, I've been here nearly so four that, years, nearly four years.
0: Yeah, wow. Based on those four years, would you say, do you have a preference for uh, which country oh. you <laughs> working in as a software engineer?
1: It's, it's, it's not even close. Um, you know, <laughs> Australia is, is definitely my preferred country. Um, New York mm. is pretty nice, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of American culture in general. Um, it's very it's very different, you know. Not to say either's right or wrong. I'm just used to Australian culture, um, mm, mm. but yeah, America is very individualistic, and it's very different to, to you know know that you know being an Australian and see it online and hear people talk about it, and then to you know experience it sort of sort of firsthand. It's um, yeah, it's
0: it's different. Yeah, because like in Australia, you have this like implied uh, tall poppy syndrome, I guess. Kind of when for uh, a lot of things.
1: Ev- every time I've been back to Australia, you know, I mm. we we will come back for a trip. I think we've come back a couple of times now, and you know, we weren't mm. we weren't you know homesick before, but we'll get home and you know. We'll, I say home, right? Even though home is New York right now, we get back to Australia, you know, and we just sort of wander around. And I, you know, my wife and I would turn to each other and just go, "I didn't realize how much we missed this," you know. And it's, it's that sort of that sort of like weird. It's it's hard to hard to put in words. Um, but I, I'm still very happy that I, I I came to New York, and you know, it's not an experience that I'm looking to end, um, you know, in the short term. But in the long term, I'm definitely not planning on staying in America forever.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's, I guess, yeah, just following an opportunity. You know, right, seeing where right. I right. Yeah, I yeah, think a lot of people. Fun. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people I think would love the opportunity to just spend a, spend a few years, you know, in New York City. It's like a, the the hustle and bustle. I don't know. I've only been there like once in a very short period of time. Um, but when I was there, definitely felt like everything was going very quickly and everything was
1: very, New uh, York's, uh, New York's an interesting city, you know, like Mm. I, I I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where you can, you know, walk five blocks and be in a completely different cultural neighborhood, you know, like Mm. everything changes, everything looks different. The food is different, everything, you know, it's, 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 it's very, very unique, I think. Um, Mm. but I I think that's what everyone says about New York. So maybe that's really cliche.
0: (laughs) <laughs> That's all right. I mean, yeah, the The other thing I was curious about is because a lot of people, when they kind of think of their, you know, oh, I want to go to Google or something like that, you know, they they want to move to the US. And the first thing that you hear when you talk about software, software engineering in the US is that they'd go to Silicon Valley right, or right, right. the West Coast or near San Francisco in the Bay Area and all that. Um was there a reason that you kind of leaned towards New York City in particular compared to? Well, yeah, I, I
1: i interviewed in uh, I interviewed for LinkedIn in Sunnyvale, um, which is the mm-hmm. like right next to Mountain View. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. Uh, and and honestly, it was it was miserable. Like the the experience was nice. The campus was great. You know, mm-hmm. internally there was everything you would ever want. But as soon as you step outside, it was just this this suburban hellscape. I guess you know and and it wasn't just me going there, it was you know my wife was going there as well and and I remember in in the in the uh you know my my on site day at LinkedIn, I sort of asked everybody that I met what do you do for fun you know how do you what do you do on the weekends and and everybody said, "I get in my car and I drive half an hour to you know somewhere <laughs> and you know i that 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 didn't really appeal to me. Um, and you know, so 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 when I flew to, to New York, you know, during that week, I actually landed in 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 New York at um, JFK, I think, at at like midnight on a on a Wednesday night. Um, and you know, I got a taxi to my hotel, and you know, I get to the hotel at like one a.m. But the taxi's, you know driving down the street, and I'm looking out the window, and it's 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 this weird experience. I'm looking around, and I'm like, this is I don't know why everyone kind of loves new york this is a bit weird there was there was like there was garbage all over the side of the road because you know there's no al- <laughs> there's no alleys for them to throw the uh throw the through the trash bags sorry i should talk american throw, throw the garbage <laughs> in the street and so i'm just looking around and there's just kind of nothing and we were down low midtown where it, it's kind of dead you know the financial district is dead at night that's pretty well known and i just didn't see anything and then i woke up in the morning to go to an interview um and 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 ste- as soon as i stepped outside i kind of got it you know straight away it was um yeah. it was a very very interesting experience
0: mm. yeah i i think that whole charm appeals to a lot of people and i guess so you'd say you'd say East Coast over West Coast. I oh, guess. <laughs>
1: absolutely! It's kind of funny. So, so I, you know, I, I came and I did on site. So I went to the I went to the West Coast. I went to the East Coast. I, I interviewed in in Sunnyvale and also Seattle. Um, Seattle was nice, um, but I'm oh, yeah. told that, you know the it was nice. The weather was nice, but I'm told that that's unusual, um, which mm-hmm. is why I kind of kind of didn't uh, didn't want to go there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I came home from that uh, that week in America doing on sites and I, uh, I I said to my wife, you know, um we're we're moving to New York, uh and and you know, I think you'll like it and she just turned to me and said, you know, okay which is yeah. uh which is pretty cool because she'd never been to the to, to America um at all and mm. she just sorta of, sort of trusted that. Um
0: so Bless her for making such a a move, I guess. That's crazy, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a it's a big one, and and you know she loves it, so that's nice. But um,
0: yeah, yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, uh, ended out well, I guess. Um, I didn't have any more questions to ask, but I wanted to ask if there was anything you wanted to say um, to anyone listening or anyone who's interested in either working in automated trading or um, I guess moving to the US is kind of two different two different things. But um, anything you wanted to say? Uh, I don't think I have anything specific to say
1: um, aside from you know, uh, like I said, I'm at TL in Slack and and I'm always mm-hmm. happy to to sort of chat about this stuff if anyone has questions. I've um mm-hmm. you know I've chatted to, to people before who are considering moving to the US and I've sort of uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm more than happy to 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 do that and we also give referrals. You know I'm happy to refer mm-hmm. you to to HRT as
0: well. Um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm wonderful and also we have technically moved to the discord so i guess you can find him on slack but also if you want to find him on discord i guess uh would it be at tl again or uh i'm not sure i'm not sure what (laughs) i'm in discord
1: it's fine i'm sure you can find me i'm active enough
0: yeah thanks so much for having a chat it's been great to hear about um the automated trading world in the u.s and yeah Yeah, thanks for having me All right, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Until the next episode, you can join us on our brand new Discord community at discord.uqcs.org.